Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. We have talked about diversity and inclusion in previous podcasts before. In fact, the one that I did right before this was about making sure that your technology was able to communicate with people who couldn't consume that technology in, in their native state, which would mean if you know if they were blind, they weren't able to read your website, or if you had a podcast, they wouldn't be able to hear your podcast, they would have to, to, to do your transcript. But Today, uh, we're going to dive into it in a little different way with another person who I'm really excited about because in our industry, inclusion is so important and not very pervasive, right? Uh, you go to a conference, uh, it's pretty much all the same person in the audience, uh, but not just the people who are financial advisors, but also the people that financial advisors serve. So Julie Kratz, she's a TEDx speaker, which by the way is a huge goal of mine, inclusive leadership trainer. She's an executive coach, author, and founder of Next pivot point. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So here's the fun part. I want to know how you got into this. Uh, you know, your history is really important to all of us and all of our, our listeners. It's a great way for us to get to know you a little bit better. So Julie, how did you get to be the founder of Next Pivot Point? Yeah, I appreciate that. So I have a background in corporate America, uh, which I know a lot of our listeners know that that world very, very well. I spent 12 years serving my time in corporate America and got to do a little bit of everything. So I was quite honored and, and privileged to be a people leader for most of that time. I um, went back to school, got my MBA, you know, pivoted from operations and supply chain work into marketing and then into strategic marketing and wrapped up my career in learning and development. And that was really the, the calling for starting my own business. Next pivot point was I kept looking around rooms uh, of industries that were not so female dominated, not so diverse, and not seeing myself reflected in those organizations. And I thought we could do better than this. And that's why I started Next Pivot Point six years ago uh, to help leaders lead inclusively and to help solve this challenge of diversity in the workplace. You know, despite our best efforts, many organizations are still struggling with how to retain and engage diverse talent and diversify their organization so that they mirror their customer bases. So oftentimes I come in as a speaker and a trainer and a consultant helping them solve that complex challenge, giving people tools to what I call lead like an ally and be there for people that are different than themselves. So I've gotten to uh, write some books about the topic, about allyship, uh, be on a TEDx stage. Uh, that was really a special accomplishment for this year. And my life's work, my, my main goal is to really be, be a piece of positive social change. Um, we're at a time now more than ever that diversity and inclusion is stagnant. Uh, the growth, the focus, the need to focus on mission-critical tasks. And I really want to make sure that we see this as an opportunity, that in, in challenging times, that we see this as an opportunity to pivot forward positively. Julie, I have so many questions uh, from, from there. So when I first started in the financial services industry, 
and we're, we're focused on women first and then, and then kind of expand if you don't mind, but it was like 4% of the industry was women, right? And now I think we're up to like 12, maybe 15% max. Um, what are we doing? Like uh, what, what is happening and how, how are you able to convince uh, people, and not necessarily just because it's the right thing to do, Julie, which we all know it is, but it's such a beneficial thing for you to do in your business to be mm-hmm. much more diverse and inclusive. Help us with that. Yeah. I mean, I think we all um, study after study shows that 80% of people believe in gender equality, which I'm always curious about the other 20%. You know, maybe they don't see it, I'm guessing. But you're right. The majority of good intentioned people want to be an ally. They want to be supportive of uh, women's issues and women's challenges. But despite their best efforts, they're frustrated with a lack of results on um, that inclusive behavior and the advancement of women, uh, certainly at a leadership level. Most organizations, especially in financial services, are are very white male-led. And so I think we know better, but what I find is that people don't know how to connect their everyday actions, their everyday behavior to be inclusive and to really bring people in. And women in particular will tell me, you know, when I sit down with my financial advisor, with my husband, the financial advisor spends time talking to my husband and not to me, for example. Or in the workplace, I, you know, speak up and advocate for my career, but, you know, John always gets credit for my ideas and he interrupts me constantly. And these are called microaggressions. They say they may seem really subtle to somebody that's in the majority group that tends to be white male. You may not even see these things because it's really hard to see these little subtle, unintentional, often, you know, good-hearted actions as troubling because you yourself haven't experienced them. But my challenge to that is put your radar up. Look for these little things whether they're workplace interruptions, whether that's promotions and who's being promoted, whether that's who's invited to meetings and who's taken up the airtime in meetings. These are all little representations of what matters and whose voices matters. And what we know is that women are less likely to feel seen in settings and in meeting settings, and they're less likely to have their voice be heard, for example. And what that leads to is less of a sense of belonging. And that is a primal human need on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if y'all remember, basic needs being met, um, psychological safety, and then connection and belonging is really that next tier. So these are things that all humans want, and we, we can do better to make sure all voices are really being heard and that people are being seen in this way. I, I jokingly, and not really jokingly, when I'm out speaking, because I, I know that you speak all over the place, uh, will we'll bring up the fact that, you know, uh, I happen to be the average white male. And it is, uh, it's very frustrating because I don't feel like I have the tools to be better at all of this. Now, I know that on your website, by the way, which everybody needs to go to, which is nextpivotpoint.com, there's the top 20 terms in diversity dictionary that you can download. And we're going to make sure you have a link to that. But Julie, I'm not trying to make excuses because I'm not. Uh, I'm married uh, to a very, very uh, strong uh, feminist woman. My my grandmother was actually a feminist writer before you could really even publish stuff. And so this is something that I actively try to work on. I, I don't feel like I'm doing as good of a job as I should, as probably the majority of our listeners happen to be in that majority demographic. What are some things that they can do that will allow them to be 
One, much more sensitive. Two, shut up and realize that other people have probably even better ideas than you do. And we also know that the more diverse and the more inclusive that you are, you have better products and services. Your clients are going to be happier. Your team's going to be happier. We know this, right? We got all sorts of research. But would you mind just throwing a, throwing a guy like me a bone here and tell me what I could do to really just be better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, therein lies a chance to be an ally. So I think wreck it first and foremost, and this is a challenging word, I think, for a lot of white males. Um, I myself as a white female it's challenging to acknowledge my own privilege in the conversation. The P word is quite mm-hmm. polarizing, but just taking an inventory of the privileges you have in life right now, and especially right now, and that's very magnified, you know, can you work from home? Do you have stable income? Is your family safe? And, and all of the things that you have that are just a bit of a leg up on others. And it doesn't mean you didn't work hard for where you're at. That's by no means what privilege means. It's just the road was a little smoother to get there. And and when you can honor your privilege and acknowledge your privilege, you're in a really special place to help somebody else. And so I look at my white privilege of just having the skin color that I do, I can more easily navigate spaces. People aren't going to ask me why I'm there. People aren't going to look at me inquisitively or think that I don't belong um, much goes for white males in corporate America. It, it's kind of the standard. The world was built um, for white males. A lot of the systems in corporate America were built to reinforce um, that patriarchy. And so I think if if you can acknowledge, hey, you know, people listen to me in meetings more. Um, I'm invited um, to more of the after work hours events. Um, a partner has taken me on as a, a mentee, for example. All these little things that I have that maybe others that are different than me don't have. And one thing, one super tangible way to do this is to have a conversation with somebody that's different than you. And since we're talking about gender, have a conversation with somebody that's of a different gender than yourself and just ask the question, what have your experiences been like here? I I get the sense they might be different than my own. I'd love to learn more about your experience. And You may not get a real answer the first time if you've never talked about something like that with them or they don't feel safe to really share the real dirt. But what I will say is we ask again and you demonstrate true empathy, true curiosity that you just want to listen to learn. You don't want to make it better. You don't want to solve their problem for them. Um, What you'll find on the other side of that conversation is a deeper understanding of the experiences that are different for her in the workplace. And if you are so kind and so empathetic to get a real answer, you may get some nuggets on things you could do. And for example, women will often say, hey, when I'm being interrupted in the meeting, if you could say something like, hey, Linda was still talking, can we go back to her? Or if somebody takes credit for another woman's idea in a meeting, if you could just say, hey, Cheryl shared that idea 10 minutes ago. Let's give her the opportunity to more fully explain. Or, hey, if you notice that people mentor people just like them and they tend to not mentor women if they're a male, ask them how could they potentially diversify who they mentor. So these are little small things, the subtle everyday acts of an ally that really can differentiate you. And once you build trust with somebody and they share their story with you, it is amazing how much you have to stand to benefit and to learn. And you grow. You grow from 
people that are different than you, but we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people just like us. One of the things that you just said there is the the idea of solve. And so in some of the forums that I'm in that have to do with inclusion specifically, which happens to be a value, by the way, of our company, Top Advisor Marketing, diversity and inclusion are our are, are core values of, of who we are and, and how we hire and, and how we uh, put job descriptions out to make sure that we're being as inclusive and as diverse as possible. But it's the white savior thing, Julie. I mean, we I, I think we have to talk about that. In fact, it's crazy. I was just driving around with my son uh, yesterday. I have a 17, I have twin 17-year-old boys. And my son is dating a young woman from Guatemala. Uh, she was adopted. And, um, you know, she's a 17-year-old just like he is. But she looks of uh, Central American Hispanic de- uh, descent. And she is, they say terrible things. I mean, just, um. you know, really bad uh, just really racist things. And so he was asking me about that. And I said, you know, uh, this is a really fine balance for, for you as a, as another, you know, white guy to not be the white savior, but still be that ally. We use that term in our house often, making sure that we're an ally because we really want to be an ally, but help us take that. So somebody comes to you and they're explaining their experience. You get the real dirt. Then what do you do? I mean, you don't want to go run to the powers that be as the white guy and, in answering, help me with that. I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, being the knight in shining armor is often used uh, in gender, but white savior is used a lot in race. And I love that story of your son because he's having seen what he's seeing and how the world treats her versus how the world treats him. That's going to be such helpful information for him to grow and to not be afraid of diversity and certainly to be more inclusive in his life. So it's so great that you're able to have that conversation with him because the earlier we see these things, the better it is. Um, I was a similar age myself when I started to see race issues with my friends that were of color and the amount of times they got pulled over versus when I did, for example. And so translating those experiences to how to show up as an ally without, you know, a lot of times men will mansplain their way through things or say, here's what you need to do. Here's the solution to your problem. Here's the magic bullet. And women will sit back and be like, Seriously, dude, I, I could have come up with that myself. Like, are you really telling me what it's like to be a woman? No, thanks. And we kind of roll our eyes. And, and, and women, we, we do not, men, we do not talk about you all the time, I promise. There's a misperception about that. But when you mansplain, you better bet we're going to talk about you afterwards. Like, can you believe he said that? He thought I didn't know anything about that. So what I would say is watch yourself. <laughs> watch the amount of advice that you give. And, and where you can really even out the ratio here is just take an inventory and in a conversation you're having, whether it's with women, people you mentor, people you manage, people you coach, wherever you're spending your time. And now more than ever, this inclusive behavior is important to get the most from your team. How much do you listen versus how much do you speak? You know, you and I had that conversation about the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk too long. Same goes in any conversation. A couple minutes, pause reflect back, ask a question, uh, engage further in the conversation. If you go into the conversation thinking, I have something to learn versus I have something to impart on this individual. Because think about it, when you're speaking, you're just hearing what you already know. Versus when you're listening, you're actually gaining new information and therefore getting smarter, getting better. So wouldn't you want to spend more time on that part? 
But as humans, we have a tendency to speak more than we listen. So check yourself on that ratio in everyday conversations to eliminate the splaining factor. And then when you're ready, like you have the magic idea, like test yourself on that. You know, someone shares something hard with you. They actually don't want the solution. They want to be heard. They want you to facilitate their own thought process. A lot of times you think about a marriage, you know, assuming a gender uh, is traditional gender partnership. You know, most women will say, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to solve my problem. The same goes for gendered communication in the workplace. We just want to share the issue. We don't want it to be solved, but we do need help kind of thinking through and self-discovering our path forward. And this is one of the most effective allyship roles is being a coach and helping somebody get to their own solution on their own. And then you've now taught them how to think on their own without needing you the next time. And that's what an ally really does well. When I was a coach, one of my favorite things that would happen on the phone calls is they would say, Matt, are you still there? And and my answer was, well, yes, of course I'm still here. And they're like, well, well, why aren't you saying anything? And I would say, one, I don't, I didn't know if you were done. And two, part of the power of this relationship is you hearing yourself process this because we do know from an auditory situation and how your brain cognitively files things that uh, by talking things through, your brain looks at it differently and therefore you can come up with your own solutions, right? It's exactly what you just said. And I totally just mansplained that, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> you can like punch me in the throat for that right now. Uh, but uh, but but I, I wanted to try to say it in a little different way, because I think yeah. most people listen to respond. They don't yeah. listen to listen. And. Mm-hmm. When you're in a financial planning situation, when you're in a managerial position or, or even from a, from a team member position, it's unbelievable when you stop trying to think of what you think they're going to say and you actually hear what they're going to say. Um, I was a marriage counselor. I talk about it every once in a while on the podcast. It was the worst job I ever had in my life. And 90% <laughs> of the people who came to me, the reason, the, the biggest problem was they didn't have clear expectations. Well, they should know that. You know, it's, I, I believe it's the same situation here with some of this is we have unrealistic expectations. We have false expectations. We have wrong expectations. And therefore, we're really not paying attention. But I want to switch gears here real quick because here's the thing that makes me giggle about all of this. Women are 51% of the freaking population, right? So they're the majority. You're a majority, right? And so one, it's not a niche, right? Number two, there's some insane number, and you probably know this off the top of your head, but it's like high 70s of women who leave their husband's financial advisor because they have no relationship with them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you can talk to our uh, listeners about that have to do with being more inclusive, especially in a married, you know, whether that's a, you know, a traditional air quoting, you know, marriage or or another sort of marriage where you generally have the dominant person in the room, regardless of it's male, male, female, female, male, female. How do you teach people because you teach this stuff? You have a leadership academy, thought leadership, you got a podcast, you got online workshops, you got all of these resources for people. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit of free info here on how they can do a better job of including somebody, especially in a like a client meeting? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a really salient point. And no, you did not mansplain. At least I didn't take it that way. <laughs> Yay. That makes me really happy. <laughs> you were you were personalizing the experience. You were applying it through your own lens. So, and that's perfectly fair. You know, I try not to give people too strict of rules with being an ally that the do's and don'ts I get asked about a lot. And I'd rather focus on the positive behavior, but the splaining thing is a real issue. So I'm glad we got mm-hmm. that on the table. Um, But to build off of what you said, yeah, it's a shame. You know, when we think about diversity, I've really struggled to think about gender as diversity because you're right. We're we're 50, 51 percent of the population, 45 percent of the workforce. But when you look up at the top numbers of organizations, you know, we just hit a record for female CEOs in Fortune 500, seven, seven, seven percent single signal single digit <laughs> i'm not going to celebrate that but people are and that's unfortunate so distilling that to a relationship your listeners might have with clients and how to make sure you're engaging across both genders all genders whatever the gender partnership looks like in that dynamic i know me personally when i meet with my financial advisor he doesn't like that my husband doesn't when he doesn't come you know and that signals to me like wait Who's, who's making, who does he think's making the decisions here? I'm making the decisions, <laughs> right? Um, he's, he, Brad knows better now. But I, I will say eye contact is huge. And, and, and this is the feedback I get from a lot of women, especially with our financial advisors, is he doesn't even look me in the eye. He doesn't even look at me. He just looks at my husband. So watch where you're paying attention. Watch where your energy is going to. This is actually, you know, thinking about a virtual world and what the reality is going to be on the other side of the pandemic. This is something you can more easily monitor, I would say, even in a virtual world. Um, And so in making sure you're engaging all the key players in the conversation with your body language and another signal of open, inclusive body language are your hands. Watching where your hands are. And even in a conversation like this where we can't see each other, uh, there's this mental shift of keeping your hands open. You've probably noticed when you keep your arms crossed or your hands closed, people assess trust with hands. And so making sure you're using your hands, keeping them open. I know I use them a lot in my videos even when I'm not physically with somebody to signal trust and openness. So that's, that's another key factor on body language. And then as far as inclusive language, the things to say and do... I think a lot of times, to your point, we make assumptions about what the other party wants, really making sure that you're asking some good, open-ended questions on the front end of the conversation, not assuming what they want to cover in the agenda, not going right into your stats and figures you want to share with them because you're so awesome. What do you want to accomplish today? Where do you see yourself in five years? What could you walk away with today that would feel really good? What does success look like? Those types of questions they almost always start with a key word like what or how. And this is something tangible your listeners can take away is take an inventory, not just of the time you spent speaking versus listening in a conversation, but also how many open-ended questions are you asking versus close-ended questions. So I'd really like you to ask more of those what and how questions and inventory that, see how much you're asking that versus what we most often ask are the do, the could, the should, the would, (laughs) the any um, types of questions. And there's a huge difference. I mean, you know this, and and I think people intuitively know this. When you ask a question like, hey, do you have any questions? What what response do you get? No, No, of course not. But when you shift it and you say, what questions do you have? Mm -hmm. 
especially for women that usually want some more time to process and want to make sure that they're really safe to be heard, that gives them the space. That gives them space to process and to share. So consider asking more of those open questions. What question should I have asked you? You know, we're uh, we're about 20 minutes into the podcast and I, I love to prepare for these and I love, you know, I'm all over your website and I'm watching your videos and listening to your podcast. And I'm sure that I'm kind of caught up in the moment. What What should I have asked you about all of this stuff before we uh, share how our listeners can reach out to you and, and, and learn from you? I appreciate the question. Practicing what we're talking about, <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah, and that's a great question, by the way, for your audience to ask. Which, what should have I asked you about today? Uh, one of my favorite coaching questions or questions to ask people with my clients is, what's the one thing you don't want to talk about today? <laughs> what's the one fear, you know, that's still out on the table? And so you get to the meat of it. But to answer your question, I think why? You know, why does this matter? And and I struggle with this question, quite honestly, but it's it's usually the question I'm asked by a lot of white men um, or white male-dominated organizations will say, well, why? I mean, we got to start with the why. And I agree. You know, what I will offer is that there's a business case to this. And you won't know, you just rattled off all the stats and figures, you know, higher profitability, more innovation. Um, from a corporate perspective, you're just going to outperform your industry peers, study after study by the good folks at Harvard Business Review and McKinsey have proven this. That's the business case. There is a solid business case for gender inclusion and overall diversity and inclusion. But the other side of it, there's a human case for it. And this is actually much stronger. And I think more compelling for organizations and for people and for our potential allies out there that don't know that they actually need to be a part of this conversation. So why does this matter to you personally? You know, if, if we continue to not be as diverse and inclusive as we could be, what are we going to miss out on? You know, what are the benefits that we're not getting to? Why, why do I care? Why would I get up in the morning and do some of this hard stuff? And I think if you can ask yourself some of those deeper, more reflection questions, this requires behavior change. And with any behavior change, any behavior shift, you have to have a strong, compelling why for it. People don't change for change's sake. And, and I love to give people the techniques and the hows and the what's of the conversation and, and bullet point it out for one thing you can do because people want to do the right thing. But I know that they won't do the right thing. They won't follow through on these things if they don't believe it's important and impactful. So I would leave your listeners with that. You know, think long and hard about why it matters. And for men especially, think about your daughters if you have one. Think about little girls that you know or in your family. You know, think about your partners. Think about your mothers. They've been impacted by this. And be curious to learn and ask them about their story. And if you can't find some nuggets in there that are compelling, I would challenge you to try again. Mm-hmm. But you will. And the more you personally connect with this message and see yourself as a part of it, the more you're on that journey to being an ally. One of the things that we hold very dear here at Top Advisor Marketing is uh, being involved with charitable organizations. And one of the ones that I uh, am deeply involved with here in my area in Kalamazoo, Michigan, is the Girl Scouts. We help them start, Top Advisor Marketing, help them start a podcast. And their podcast is all of these magnificent interviews with these young girls and young women who are navigating waters with tools that a lot of other women and girls never got because that's a huge core value of what the Girl Scouts have. And 
ask those questions, like go to the local Girl Scouts and and, and talk to the executive director, go to uh, different um, organizations that, that really do focus on diversity and inclusion and ask what you can do. Because a lot of times it's behind the scenes stuff. It's just showing support. Uh, again, it's just truly being that ally, and it makes such a humongous difference mm-hmm. in the lives of these people who are going to be running our country someday. But it also, way more importantly, gives you appropriate perspective because, Julie, I can't I can't literally walk a mile in your shoes, but I can try to do whatever I possibly can to put myself in those situations so at least I can gain a greater understanding by just shutting up and listening and, and, and trying to be a better human. Now, if somebody wants to hire you, what should they do? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Listen and, and listen to people's stories at Girl Scouts. I'll have to look them up. I love stories and young girls sharing their stories. It's hard not to empathize with that. So mm-hmm. great tangible takeaway. Yeah, I have. I, I try to make it easy for people. So my social handles are all the same. Next pivot point. I post regularly on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, as well as LinkedIn. So you can check me out there. Julie Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z. I post daily on the subject. And then my website, you mentioned the Diversity Dictionary. Uh, there's tons of free resources there. My podcast, my video series, um, the t- workbooks that you can download as well. So all those tools are available at no cost. Uh, check them out at nextpivotpoint.com. Wonderful. Well, hopefully uh, all of us are going to be able to uh, get out and speak at conferences again soon. So I'm sure your path and my path will cross because we seem to be, you know, at least in some of the same circles, because that's actually how you got to uh, be on the podcast is a mutual friend of yours and mine told me that I needed to interview you. And I was like, all right, that's great. Uh, And I respect her a whole bunch. She's she's really, really awesome. Uh, So, Julie, thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking time to be on the show and to talking about talking about these things. And really coming at it from a perspective of being truly helpful and how, you know, we in the financial services industry can truly be that real ally, um, not only just to, to do what's right, uh, but also to open up our minds to some pretty darn amazing things that we just flat out don't know about because we weren't raised in the same way. So with that, that uh, this is Julie Kratz. She's a TEDx speaker. Bunches, a bunch of, oh man, got, got to go to the website, uh, nextpivotpoint.com. Just so many resources. In fact, it was a little overwhelming preparing for the podcast because there's so much cool stuff to read. There's, there's videos of her speaking. Uh, please make sure that you check that out. And you know what? This year is half over-ish, right? So maybe make it a second half of this year goal for your team to find ways to either in the community or with clients to be more diverse and inclusive. Uh, It can just really, truly change everything. Julie, so thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm going to close with a, a quick quote here. You know, the Dalai Lama said, when you talk, you're only repeating what you already know. But if you listen, you may learn something new. And I believe that, you know, my grandmother actually told me this repeatedly as she was pulling on my ears because I was a terrible child. She said, you know, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth so you would listen twice as much as you would talk. And I don't think people really remember that as much. One of the best ways to truly be an ally is to just listen. Uh, one of the best ways to be an ally is find a way to connect with somebody who isn't like you, who hasn't had the same life experiences, and sit down and ask questions. I've done that a couple of times, and I started off by saying, look, I don't mean to be offensive in any way, shape, or form, and I probably say something really stupid. 
but I really do want to learn more about you. I want to learn more about your culture. I just want to learn more about you as a human being. And not saying that that gives you a free pass, but it's unbelievable what you have the opportunity to learn. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it will show up directly on your listening device. And just like Julie came to me, if you have a great guest that you think we should interview here on the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast, all you have to do is email me at matt at topadvisorm.com. We'll make sure that all of Julie's uh, connection points will be in the show notes and make sure you also listen to her podcast because as you've noticed, she's got an amazing voice and really, really engaging topics. So for everybody at Next Pivot Point and all of us here at Top Advisor Marketing, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.